That Triathlon Show, episode 15. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to That Triathlon Show. Today we talk about an extremely important topic for triathletes, strength and conditioning. Are you doing S&C as we call it at the moment or have you been during the off season? For many it's something that they know that they should do but they just don't get around to doing it and the reason may be that they don't really know exactly how, when or what to do it. For some it might just be that they don't know why they should do it but but I think that many triathletes these, day, these days know that they should be doing strength and conditioning it's just the actual execution and and getting it done that's that's the big problem and that's what we'll cover here in this episode today the why the how the when and the what of strength and conditioning and for that i have a special guest his name is frank velasquez jr and he's a certified athletic trainer and strength and conditioning specialist Make sure to stick around until after the interview because that's when I'll share what I've been doing personally when it comes to SNC these last couple of years. And uh, I'll tell you how that has worked for me. So that might be something that you can apply as well and find useful and get some ideas and inspiration for what you can do in your own strength and conditioning. But getting back on topic and uh, to the interview... It was actually Kim Schwabenbauer, my guest back from episode 8 on Nutrition for Triathletes, that recommended me that, that I go talk to Frank and, and have a chat with him on the podcast because she works with Frank and she sends all of her athletes to him for strength and conditioning assessments. So he definitely comes with glowing recommendations to say the least. And as a quick intro, we'll go a bit more into Frank's background in the interview but he's the director of sports performance at Algini Health Network and he works with athletes at both recreational and professional levels in triathlon as well as many other sports. Among his many accomplishments, Frank and his colleagues were awarded with the MLB Sports Medicine Staff of the Year by Baseball Prospectus magazine when he was overseeing the strength and conditioning of the Pittsburgh Pirates baseball team. So he has an interesting background. He hasn't always been doing the endurance strength and conditioning side of things, but actually has done a lot of things in baseball as well. But enough of me rambling. Let's dive into the interview and meet Frank Velasquez. Frank, warm welcome to the show. Michael, thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And uh, can you fill the listeners in on a bit more on your background in strength and conditioning? You've been doing some exciting stuff in in baseball, among other things. Yes, I'm a graduate from the University of Michigan, certified athletic trainer and a certified strength and conditioning specialist. I spent a few years in physical therapy back in the early 90s after I graduated, uh, working as in, in the outpatient physical therapy uh, realm. And then I got into professional baseball as an athletic trainer. I was in professional baseball for 16 seasons from 1996, uh, all the way up until 2011. I spent it with two organizations, the Texas Rangers for the first seven years. And then the Pittsburgh Pirates, I was their major league strength and conditioning coordinator coach for the last nine years of my baseball career. After I left baseball, 
facility, a small sports performance training center up in the northern suburbs of Pittsburgh. And after four and a half years of owning that, I sold and became the director of uh, sports performance for the Allegheny Health Network. Excellent. And uh, now you're working with with a wide variety of athletes of all different uh, different abilities and uh, and from different sports as well. So you got some. Uh, you you work with soccer professional players, if I if I read correctly as well. And then you have, of course, uh, a lot of age group triathletes. Any, anything that stands out in terms of the demographics of the people that you work with and the sports? Yes, you know, in baseball, we got very very good working with one type of animal, um, and I loved it. I enjoyed it but I really enjoy working with the different types of athletes now at different levels, uh, starting at their grade school, middle school, very uh, amateur novice, all the way up into our elite and professional athletes. Our target market, Michael, are our active adults, uh, developing youth and performing athletes. Um, we do work with professional hockey, professional baseball, professional triathlete, professional soccer, um, players as well so it, it's a really it's a treat to do what we get to do every day very blessed so going into strength and conditioning for triathletes specifically can you first start off by telling the listeners why it is so important wow um it, it's it's sometimes a lot of times it's the missing link you know when we get our endurance athletes in they're they're doing all their their work in the pool on the bike or on the road or if they're just runners or duels dual athletes on the road and on the bike. Um, repetitive sport, I think we can all agree. And it creates muscle imbalances. So the only way to correct those muscle imbalances is really doing some form of exercise program, whether it be body weight or in the weight room. Uh, so that's one reason why it is very much recommended that triathletes do some level of strength training in their weekly routines. Another reason, which is just as important, as that that getting stronger will help protect your joints better. Your your hips, knees, ankles, low back, uh, getting stronger, adding lean mass, creating a more durable body, reducing the risk for injury, specifically overuse injuries, which happen quite a bit in repetitive sports like throwing a baseball or running a marathon. Um, those are those those overuse, high volume repetition sports that. Really, our programs help reduce the risk of the injuries for and also enhance performance. You know, if we want to swim faster, run faster, bike faster, we need lean mass muscle to, to help achieve those goals. Yeah, and can you go into uh, what are the most common imbalances that you see in triathletes? Uh, I think that was an interesting point that you brought up that this it leads to so many imbalances specifically. Sure, sure. Well, our philosophy, our methodology that I've grown up to learn and kind of creating a twist on my, my own methodology is really we train the posterior chain. I don't think it's any secret. You may have heard this before. Um, really focusing on those muscles that we can't see in the mirror. So for triathletes in, in particular here, uh, jogging, submaximal running is very much a quad dominant front-sided exercise, um, as well as swimming with the, the repetitive motion. Going forward, freestyle swimming is, is a front-sided exercise where uh, the pecs, the quads, the hip flexors get used predominantly. And then when you go to the weight room, some people want to train the, the muscles they can see in the mirror. That's, they can see them develop, and it contributes to this imbalance. So focusing on, focusing on that posterior chain 
really helps to correct the imbalances and also helps to protect our joints and, and reducing the risk for injury and allowing us to create more power and, and enhance performance. So strength and conditioning is strengthening the posterior chain. You mentioned uh, going to the weight room and, and also bodyweight exercises. Can you go into specific, more specifics about what it consists of for triathletes? What do you prescribe to your, to your triathlete clients? That's a great question. Uh, we always, you know, we, we introduce, and most, most triathletes and in the endurance animals know the, the foam roll or some version of the foam roll. Uh, we always start foam rolling, whether we use the vibration drums or the vibration platforms or the foam roll themselves. And then we do a series of activation exercises, activating certain areas of the body to help, to help protect the joints for more intense work, whether it be in the weight room or in your particular skill, swimming, biking, or, or running. So the activation exercises will they'll activate the glute medius to help protect our hip and knees. We activate the transverse abdominis to help protect our low back. And then we, we activate our periscapulars to help protect our shoulders and elbows. Um, so the activation exercises, we teach our clients and our triathletes to do not only when they're with us, but they do that all, also on their own with some very inexpensive equipment, sometimes just body weight, uh, to, to, so they can do that before they're practicing. Because my triathletes are only with us one to two times a week, depending on where they are in their training cycle. Uh, so the activation exercises are very important. And then getting into the specifics of the strength training, you know, we do a lot of our Romanian deadlifts. Uh, we do a lot of single leg exercises, uh, like a, for example, a rever reverse lunge, a box step up, um, Bulgarian split squats, uh, getting very strong and secure on that one, that uniped or one legged stance, which, you know, a lot of runners, we need pelvic stability and that's one way to achieve it is to make sure we're doing the exercise on one leg. And it also, Michael, helps to correct imbalances. Everyone has a dominant side. So if I always resorted to two-legged exercises, which we do some of, that dominant side will, will always do more work than the non-dominant side. So the, the unilateral or one-legged exercises will help uh, correct that as well. So RDLs, the one-legged work, all of our core work. Um, we will do a hex bar deadlift. Um, maybe a, a front bench squat from, from time to time or person to person. Everybody is different. And depending on what we see in the evaluation, uh, kind of helps customize our program for that particular triathlete. Yeah, and we'll include some links to, to the exercises that you mentioned in the show notes so that listeners can go and have a look if they don't know what, what those exercises are. Um, one thing that I wanted to go into at this point, but when you mentioned activation exercises, is that actually some of the listeners may know, but I come from a running background, and the reason that I got into traveling was that I got injured. I had a chronic injury, was out of running for nine months, and the main reason for that was that I just couldn't activate my glutes enough on the run. So, so I did a lot of work with a very good physiotherapist, and and uh, she taught me how to to activate my glutes, and that was a lot of core work and strength work before I could, could really do that in my running as well. But then when I learned how to do that, I finally uh, rid myself of, of those injuries. So, so that is just one example of how, how important strength and conditioning is for triathletes and, and runners and endurance athletes in general. So you mentioned there that your clients come in two times a week usually, so, but that you do some of the, on their own. Is there any rule of thumb that uh, listeners can can use for how much strength and conditioning they should do? 
Well, that, that's another good question. It, it differs. It depends on time, um, resources, availability to equipment. Um, but you definitely, whether you're going to go to the gym once or twice a week, we don't, we never do our triathletes more than twice a week. And they're, they are, uh, abbreviated programs. They're not full strength sessions because we know they usually they've already, uh, done one of the three activities before they come in to see us. Uh, but getting to the gym at least once or twice a week, um, home programs, you know, we create home programs for our athletes that don't live in other vicinity of our facilities. So we call those virtual training packages where we can basically interview you, find out your schedule and where to inject our programs in your schedule based on the equipment that you have. Uh, so those, those are some of the things you take into consideration. And again, really making sure you're, you're doing that posterior chain work. Yeah, that's a very good point and something to always remember that it should be individualized at the end of the day. So what we're talking about here is kind of generalized guidelines that you can use as a starting point. But but if you want specific advice that is going to give you the most most return on investment, it's definitely a, an individualized program that you should get into. So for um, uh, you mentioned also that you it evolves as as the season progresses or it not necessarily evolve as it as in becoming more but but how do you, does the strength and conditioning change over the course of a season uh it all depends on when your race when your races are when your events are so if you look at you know you're you're preparing three or four months for a, a particular race we periodize programs based on the volume of training you're doing and when we need you peaking by uh, I know there's a race season for our runners and our triathletes. Um, so once we get them strength-wise where we want them, and, and it's not like we are coming to get as strong as you can. It's get about getting stronger and finding where we're comfortable and trying to maintain that, maintain that status of strength throughout your training season or your racing season. Um, so becoming more of a – uh, to, to maintain, you know, you, you never want to main, just maintain, you always want to get stronger. But I think while you're competing, uh, maintenance is good. Uh, cause if you don't, the, the strength will decrease at a higher, at a, a higher slope, um, quicker than compared if you are strength training and can kind of keep it at a, a level and decrease your, your amount of, um, decline strength. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it does to an extent, but I think it would help if you could give an example. So let's, you can use some of your clients, for example, like an age group triathlete at a certain level and, and uh, give us a bit of specifics about how that triathlete would train and how it would, uh, how many gym sessions they would do a week uh, in during winter and then how many of those they would do on, and how long and how intense relatively speaking they would be as we get closer to race season and peaking and the same for like just general body weight and core exercises at home maybe for how, how they would change as uh, or be periodized sure so during the winter time you know like i said one one of our workouts is generally more intense than the other and they're never back-to-back -back days they're always two or three days apart um so our, our more intense day would consist of a, a hex bar usually the, the unilateral work first after we activate. So we would do maybe a reverse lunge for uh, two to three sets. We'd build them up. We start at two sets and then work up to three sets of six to eight reps. Uh, when we do our reverse lunge, then we would couple that. We, we do all of our programming 
with two exercises. So if we did a reverse lunge, then you would superset it with a lat pull down to work on our retraction backside upper body to help protect that shoulder. We'll do those sets and reps. We'll get a drink and then we'll go to our next two exercises, which would be probably an RDL, um, a big posterior chain exercise, a barbell Romanian deadlift and superset that maybe with a, a BOSU push-up. Now we don't do a lot of front-sided work, but we like the BOSU push-up because you put your hands on the BOSU ball and it makes it a little uneven terrain. So you're getting more scapular activation to help protect that shoulder again. Uh, so with the, the reverse lunges, the lat pull down, then you do your, your Romanian deadlift and then with your BOSU push-up. And then your third couplet would be maybe a hex bar deadlift of two or three sets of six to eight reps along with another pull. So for every push, we do two pulls. Um, after we do that last couplet of hex bar deadlifts and our maybe one arm dumbbell row, we would do something lateral. So like a, a lateral bound or a lateral side lunge uh, to get the adductors and more glute work uh, and superset that maybe with a plank, a plank to push up climber. Uh, when we're all done with the strength sequence, then we would throw in an anaerobic piece that is, that is non-weight bearing like a, a Tabata set on the rower, um, 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off times five to eight repetitions. And we, we, it's, we like doing that kind of stuff. You guys get a ton of endurance. We push you past your, your um, zones of comfort and, and really um, exercise the, the heart muscle. And we can do it without banging on your joints. And it's very objective, so we can keep objective data uh, with our workout. So that's example of one workout. Now the workout later in the week may be a little less intense weight-wise, but a little more functional. So maybe we do a box step up with a, an assisted pull-up as our first couplet. And then maybe we do a T push-up where we do the push-up and, and add some thoracic rotation, something that you would get with your swimming movement. Um, uh, um, let me see, what did I say? The, the, the kettle or the, what were the first two exercises I just said? The, 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 the thoracic, um, um, sorry, of, uh, oh, blacking, the box, blacking on box, the, yeah, the, yeah. Box, the box step up with, uh, the assisted pull up the, now maybe a one legged deadlift, a one legged dumbbell deadlift, instead of doing the two legged that we did earlier in the week. We would add a balance or a stability component doing a one-legged dead, Romanian deadlift along with our T push-ups. And then for our last couple, we would do a kettlebell swing with a TRX row and then maybe some skater plyo jumps, something like that for the lateral component and throw in at the end of Jacob's ladder or a slide board routine to get their heart rate up uh, for the anaerobic kicker. So that's just two examples. I guess of uh, a Monday or earlier in the week workout where it's a little more intense. And then later in the week where it's a little less intense, more functional, a little more anaerobic. And again, this all has to mesh in with what you're doing on your own um, training wise. Yeah. And is there anything, any short course sessions or something in between those or, or otherwise on weekends that the triathletes should do at home or do you just, is it good enough to do those two sessions that you have there? No, the activation exercises that you're doing daily act, daily. act as own programs, right? Well, whenever you're swimming, we recommend that, you know, you activate those periscaps and do some shoulder tubing, just some tubing exercises at different levels. We call it four position tubing. 
Um, whenever you're running or biking, we, we recommend you activate those glutes doing ankle band walks or uh, box step ups on a 12 inch box, um, glute clams. We have several different activation exercises that we rotate through that our runners, bikers, and, and our triathletes will do on a regular basis outside of their weight room sessions with us. Okay, excellent. And one more question that I had about the intense session that you described for earlier in the week. What's the, what kind of weights are you using yeah. on those? You mentioned 68 reps and at what, what kind of, uh, of relative intensity or weight? Now that's different for everybody. So let's say, you know, my, my maximum is going to be, my heavy is going to be different than your heavy. Uh, so you need to take that into consideration. Um, your six to eight, if I can get six fairly easy, I'm going to eight reps. I want those last couple reps to be challenging. Then my next set, I would do one or two less reps, add weight. And then my last set, last two sets, I would continue to drop the sets, increase the weight. Um, and that's, that's what we call like a half yes. pyramid. Yep. Okay. Excellent. And, uh, so what, what do you see when triathletes come to work with you? What, what are common mistakes that they have been doing in their strength and conditioning? I guess one of them would be not doing anything at all, but any, anything else that stands out? That is the number one is not doing anything at all. The second one is doing more front-sided work than they need to. Again, contributing to this imbalance. Uh, we see a lot of leg extensions on uh, on the leg machine, just which is a very uh, isolated exercise. You're only working the quad, and those quad gets worked. The, the quads get worked a ton with biking and with your running. Um, so, I think the mistakes are you know not doing anything or doing contributing to that imbalance of doing a lot of front sided work with your strength programs. Okay. And uh, so, so when you get a new client coming to see you, well, how does it work really? Do you, can you just describe the process that that, that triathlete goes through? Sure. We will do uh, an, an initial evaluation. I actually have uh, three, three triathletes coming in tomorrow uh, to do initial evaluations on where we would explain to them our methodology of strength training. We would go over a lot of things we've talked about strength training wise. We also go over nutrition and, and hydration and rest with all of our clients. Uh, after we go over our methodology, Michael, then we go through a kinetic chain assessment. So I'm going to look at different areas of their body and take range of motion and strength measurements and, and find out where are they tight and where are they loose, where are they weak and where are they strong, learn about the body, use that information to help us create a program for them you know, customize based on the information we get, based on how many days a week that we can get our hands on them, based on what length of race they're preparing for, when it is, um, and utilize all that to create their program and then get them into their, you know, their four pack or their eight pack, or it could be a virtual training package where, again, they just come in for the eval, the information, and then we write the programs that they can follow on their own at a gym nearby their home. Sounds good. So, for listeners listening to this, uh, can you give them a few short action steps for what the next things they should do if they want to get started on their own would be? And let's take two scenarios. One would be a triathlete that is completely new to strength and conditioning and hasn't done pretty much anything before. And then triathletes that have some experience but maybe find themselves doing themselves doing the same thing over and over again, not really changing things up and being stuck in a rut, really. Sure. 
I would definitely recommend that you get with a, a strength and conditioning professional, preferably a dual certified person, whether it be an athletic trainer, strength coach, or a physical therapist, athletic trainer, or a physical therapist, strength coach. Just strength coaches sometimes don't understand the, the volume and the body as well as the dual certified. So I like dual certified strength coaches if you can find one. Um, and then getting that initial evaluation, if I'm a novice, I want to find out about my body. Where, where are my limitations? Where am I too loose? Um, and, then, and then have them get, get with them to at least get you started on the programs, to learn the mechanics of the exercises is very important, um, and get you into the routine. And then maybe you can downshift and do more on your own. Um, for our veteran or our experienced triathletes, I would definitely still get with, get with the professional to if you're getting bored with the routine they can give you some more tools either toolbox exercise selection make sure you're selecting the right exercises that can maybe replace the reverse lunge with a bulgarian split squat or replace uh your your lat pull down with a, a kneeling um one-handed lat pull down things like that that you can spruce up your workouts and, and still make sure you know you're not you're putting yourself at risk yeah, and, and I realized, Frank, that when I asked that question, actually, that it was badly worded or a bad question because I definitely am with, I'm with you on, on the fact that you should seek professional help in any any area you can in triathlon and otherwise as well to to really get a, get a head start on, on anything that you're embarking on, whether it be improving your strength and conditioning routine or getting started for the very first time. So So it was good that you ignored my my question about getting started on their own and, and still suggested going and seeking out a, a professional so great great you did that one thing that i want to piggyback on from when you mentioned how the process works for a new client and you talk about going through nutrition and hydration practices how does strength training affect what you should do in terms of of those two nutrition and hydration um well to Everyone that comes to see us basically has a goal, whether I want to run faster or swim faster or throw the ball harder or jump higher. And, and to do those, to help you reach your goals, we work on mechanics of the skill and we need to get stronger. And to, to improve your strength, we need to provide our body the material to build strength. So we got to make sure you're eating enough um, strength training on, a, on an intense schedule or, or the way these the triathletes train I mean, you need to feed the machine. So we keep it simple. You know, I'm not a registered dietitian. I don't pretend to be. I know quite a bit about the subjects of nutrition, hydration, and rest. Um, so, you know, we preach breakfast. We preach meal frequency. We preach the 80-20 rule, 80%, the premium fuel. Um, Hydration-wise, you know, we preach water is king, and, and we educate on electrolyte imbalances and how we're going to get our electrolytes in. Um, and then with sleep, you know, we, we preach eight to 10 or seven to nine hours, depending on your age, making sure we're getting our rest. A lot of things happen while we're sleeping in regards to recovery and hormonal release. Uh, and then we educate on supplements. You know, these elite athletes, food is not enough. So, you know, we're making sure that we're looking over anything that they're taking that maybe their buddy recommended or, or another coach. Um, we, I, I only use or recommend anything supplements that are certified under the NSF certification. It's the National Sanitary Foundation. We worked very closely with them when I was in professional baseball. 
And what the NSF does, Michael, is they basically guarantee what's on the what's on the package is what's in the bottle. So in the world of elite or professional athletes, when you're getting drug tested, that's very important to know what you're taking and why you're taking it. So, you know, that we, we our athletes and our clients do those three things every day, eat, sleep and uh, drink. So we teach them how to do it better. It makes a difference in how their body functions and it can really make a difference in in performance. So we have to do them that can make a big difference in performance and how we do how we go about our business. Definitely. This has been really useful, Frank. Thank you for all your tips. And uh, I encourage the listeners to go and check out the show notes of this show where we'll have links to different exercises and, and list those sets that you mentioned as examples uh, to start with. Not necessarily start with if you don't have the experience, but at least you can get some inspiration from it and maybe the motivation to seek out a strength and conditioning coach to help you with it, setting up your own program. So with that, let's move into the rapid fire question segment with five short questions and short answers. So are you ready, Frank? Uh, as ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> What's your favorite book, blog or resource related to strength and conditioning or triathlon? I had a tough one for this, Michael. You know, my ex my life experience is probably my biggest go-to. A lot of people that I've interacted with over the years. So I don't do a ton of reading. It's mostly just by learning and listening. So my life experience is I, I've, I've grown up listening to Vern Gambetta in the strength and conditioning world, Mark Verstegen. Um, Gray Cook is a very good physiotherapist that I've, I've followed over the years. John Tureen, another strength coach. Um, Tim Lang. A lot of the people that were very impressionable on me when I was younger. What's your favorite piece of gear or equipment? Um, I was thinking about that one too. I have two. One is the kettlebell. Uh, the kettle, If I was going to recommend one piece of exercise equipment for the home, you can do just about a total body workout with a kettlebell. So a kettlebell, and I also like the a gym boss interval timer. Okay, that's good. What what kind of weight should you have for your kettlebell, or what what kind of is? Do you need a set of them, or or can you do with one? Uh, I I think a set because you'll you'll do some some more intense exercises with maybe a, a twenty or twenty two kilo, compared to you know maybe where you use a, a six or eight or ten kilo with uh, some other exercises. So a set a set of, of kettlebells is probably better than just one. Right. What's a personal habit that's helped you achieve success? Uh, hard work. I'm from the Midwest. Uh, I grew up in a hard work in a household. Uh, hard work, persistence, consistency, and probably an unwavering belief in, in my own skills that, you know, failure is not an option. And then my faith, you know, and in my religion, my family. And if you could only prescribe free strength and conditioning exercises for all your future triathlon clients, which exercises would those be? Um, it's hard to narrow it to just three, but I did. Uh, the, the Romanian deadlift to get that big posterior chain work. The um, Romanian deadlift, the probably reverse lunge to get that unilateral work. And then I really am a big fan of the prone row which is also called a renegade row with dumbbells where I'm in a, a high push-up or plank position with the dumbbells and I do the row. So there's a lot of core, a lot of scapular um, work being done for the posterior chain in that exercise. 
And finally, what do you wish you had known or wish you had done differently at some earlier point in your career? Uh, I'm not a big guy looking in the rearview mirror. Um, I really have been blessed my entire life, especially my professional life. Uh, if I had to pick one thing, Michael, maybe right when I was done at the University of Michigan with my bachelor's degree, maybe it would have gone on right away to get a master's degree. Um, that, if, that's if I had to pick one thing, to, to continue my education right away as opposed to not. Okay. So now please tell the listeners where they can find out more about you and uh, if there's anything that you want to plug and uh, anything that you got going on that you want to share, then go ahead and do so. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, well, I'm part of the Allegheny Health Network. You can reach me at frank.velasquez at ahn.org. I'm sure we'll have it on the, on the uh, blog site there. Um, yes, we will. We do our virtual... Our, our, our virtual training packages, we, we write them for people all over the country and, and even some Latin, all over the world with Latin American players um, and, and athletes. So, um, you know, you can reach us also, if not through an email at a phone number, 412-437-3001. It's at our facility here in the South Hills of Pittsburgh. And uh, that's really what we have for our, our uh, endurance athletes are these virtual training packages. If you can't come in and and train with us in person. Um, we'd love to help contribute and, and make a difference in your program and help you reach your goals. All right, that was a lot of information, but as usual, we'll have it all on the show notes page for this episode on thattriathlonshow.com in a few days' time after this episode goes live. So you can head over there and uh, have a quick reference that you can just print out or whatever you want to do. Uh, you can you can see all the information that we talked about on the show notes page. And uh, one thing that I should mention is that this interview was recorded back in December, so that's why there might have been a few references to now as being the off season, even though we're by the time this episode is released in April. So I'll just take a quick few minutes to talk a bit about what I've been doing for strength and conditioning or actually what i've been doing specifically in the gym in the off season with lifting weights these last couple of seasons so for this season this winter what i've been doing is uh, a program that i got from my coach and uh, it's important to note that it's not just the gym's work itself that is part of the programming but when we do it and what we do after it so i've been doing these on wednesday mornings and then in the Wednesday evening after work, I would go to either at the start of winter when it was still a lot of snow on the streets of Helsinki and and very cold, minus 10 degrees, I would do a treadmill run, but basically a VO2 max interval workout. And now that the streets have cleared up, I'm actually not doing it anymore since a few weeks, three weeks, I think. But uh, towards the end of that strength training program, I did go to the track to do those workouts there in the evening after having done a hard gym session in the morning so that's to practice running on really really tired legs to simulate a fast and furious olympic distance triathlon race which is the distance that i primarily focus on so that's the the whole idea and that's also one of the reasons why i do a few quite a few more reps compared to what frank recommended so i've been doing 10 to 12 reps for all the exercises this season and three sets of 10 to 12 reps usually so the, the main set has been front squats, three sets of 10 to 12 reps, 
then back squats three sets of 10 to 12 reps and lunges with dumbbells two sets of 10 reps for each leg then i would superset these so immediately after doing uh, lunges for each leg i would do 10 powerful box jumps from a low squatting position and then power cleans two sets of eight reps and i have used a kettlebell with usually quite a low weight like eight kilograms to really develop power in the whole body that's a really good exercise and then uh, chins i would do two sets of two failure with a wide grip and a leg press has been the following exercise three sets of 12 reps again and finally a bit of core these are things that i've been doing not just i do core exercises uh, at other times as well not just in the, as part of these gym sessions that's something i do throughout all season but during these gym sessions i've been doing 10 reps of the following three exercises uh, push-up pike rolling side roll combination on an exercise ball and then a reverse bridge and finally on an exercise ball again rollouts sprint motion planks and spider-man planks and finally a full stretch after that so so that's what i've been doing this year and i've actually noticed quite a big benefit from it it's really noticeable both on the run as well as on the bike so so i'm very happy with with that program and last year i did things a bit differently maybe more similar to what frank talked about in this episode with fewer reps starting at six to eight reps for the first set and then adding weight and uh, decreasing the amount of reps for subsequent sets but the difference compared to what frank talked about today is probably that i didn't do quite as much work for the posterior chain so i did do a bit with uh, deadlifts lat pull downs and seated rows but uh, my exercises were more so focused probably on the on the anterior chain with uh, squats and uh, step ups leg presses so so yeah uh, kind of similar but some some differences as well but i did feel last year as well that that worked a lot and my strength increased a lot that i and i find, found it useful in that case particularly on the bike i don't didn't really feel it as much on the run as i've been doing this season and the reason that i feel it on the run this season is probably just as much that i've been doing those hard runs in the evening after morning gym sessions as much as the actual gym program itself all right so let's wrap up for today before we go just a quick shout out to chris from the woodlands in texas chris wrote me an email saying how much he enjoyed the podcast and that it's now the only triathlon podcast he listens to wow thank you so much chris i really really appreciate that and you telling me is super important to keep my motivation high and keep me going to roll out these episodes and find great guests for the show speaking of guests if you have any requests for guests that you would like to see on the show you can send me an email to michael at scientific michael with a k and or you can hit me up on twitter at at triat remember to go to that in a few days time to get the show notes for this episode and uh, if you're digging the show the best way to show your appreciation is to do what chris did and write me an email or and to go to scientifictriathlon.com forward slash rate which is a direct link that will take you to itunes and rate the podcast on itunes that really helps me get the show out there and spread the word so i really appreciate that 
in the next episode, it will be a solo episode again, where I'll talk about the relative importance of training intensity versus training volume for different levels of triathletes. Stay tuned for that. In the meantime, keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.